Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. Brilliant. Well, our speaker this morning uh, is Josh Heather, who leads our working uh, congregation. Josh is uh, just wonderful, and we love him dearly. Him and his wife, Emma, moved up here last year uh, from the wilds of Fair Oak near Southampton, and it's just been the most beautiful, wonderful sort of connection of hearts, and they're just doing a brilliant job in, 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 in Woking. And um, this is the next in an occasional series that we're running uh, entitled Heroes. And uh, what we wanted to do is a couple of things. Firstly, um, we want to make sure that we really are well-grounded in the Bible. And the Bible is so full of great, flawed heroes, great uh, men and women of God. And we just thought it would be really good from time to time just to focus on some of them. And the second uh, thing that we want to do with this series is, you know, in an age where everyone is watching Marvel comic movies all the time, uh, and, uh, you know, we're obsessed with sort of basically people with improbable bodies in Lycra doing improbable things. Uh, we just thought it might be quite good to focus on some real heroes, uh, less Lycra, a little bit more reality, uh, less superpowers, uh, but more like you and me, who God has used ordinary people to do extraordinary things throughout history. And so this is the next in our Heroes uh, series. So uh, let's welcome Josh as he comes to expound Joseph. Thanks, Pete. Morning, everyone. Great to see you all. Let's get sorted here. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be talking about Joseph, uh, and it's not the Christmas Joseph. It's the one with the Technicolor Dreamcoat. So uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, then why don't you open them up to Genesis 37. If you haven't got your Bible, then uh, you could just share with the Christian next to you. That's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah, we love jokes in Woking. Um, so, uh, yeah, I traveled over Woking just now with some of the guys from Woking. Why don't you give us a wave? Got three there and then Dan somewhere, probably on the toilet. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Joseph. And like Pete said, it's super interesting that you can't really move for superhero films at the moment. And the great thing about that when it comes to superhero films is what it tells me is that everybody knows they need saving. That's good, isn't it? And the thing is, is we've all, uh, well, maybe most of us here have been saved. We've met Jesus, he's changed our life, and he's turned us the right way up. And so it's amazing to walk into this space and just see Pete leading like the room in some people like bowing their knees to Jesus for the first time. And if that is you, then it would just be great to kind of chat to you at the end of the service. And I'm sure there's people around that would love to do that. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about Joseph, and just want to share some uh, stories from Woking. Uh, we, uh, it's in a really exciting space at the moment. Um, I remember the last time I was here uh, was September, and I remember it very clearly. We got commissioned on this stage, and I was telling the guys in Woking, the thing I mainly remember about that morning was really, really needing the toilet. 
and uh, not knowing exactly when in the gathering we were going to get brought on stage. And so I think, I can't go to the toilet now, because what if they welcome us up? And we're going to get commissioned, and I won't be there. It would just be M and the guys who are part of the church, and I would just be on the toilet. So uh, uh, the reason why I'm a bit late is I was having a safety wee in Woking, so I didn't need one now. So what you know about me now is I'm fine. I'm good to go, okay? So... Um, yeah, what? Um, so some of the stories is we've started youth work in Woking, and actually the guys here, the mighty men from Woking, are actually all on the youth team. And uh, so we've got youth starting, we've got kids work starting. Um, we had a story. Uh, we're running Alpha in the lighthouse during the day, and um, a couple of weeks ago, this guy who is like a regular guest within the lighthouse, uh, who's do, who's doing Alpha, he. Um, at the end of one of the sessions was just like walking around with his walking stick and he's just like saying to us, you know, my knee really hurts. And so we just prayed for him and he put his walking stick. I'm like, come on, mate, we prayed for you. Why don't you try it out? He puts his walking stick down. And he starts walking around the lighthouse, like lifting his knee. Like, he's like, I couldn't do this. Obviously, I can't do it. The jeans are too tight. But um, he's like lifting his knee up and he's like crying and hugging us. He's like, what is happening to me? I'm like, you've encountered God. And since then, whenever I'm in the lighthouse, he comes up to me. He's like, look, Josh. No walking stick. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. So we've got that going on. It's just a really a fun space. But to be honest, the thing that's most fun for me as the guy pastoring the church is watching people find their place in relationship and community. It's my most like, fun highlight of the week is at the end of the gathering and I chat to people, but just looking out over the lighthouse and watching people in this new church just meet and find friendship and family for the first time, some of them. It's amazing. And that's the cool thing, that our relationship with God is both horizontal and vertical. That we connect with God, but also we connect with God through people. And that's why community is so important. Now, um, we're going to go through Joseph. And like Pete said, is we want to kind of give a little bit of a, a kind of explanation of the story. Um, I, uh, when I practice my talk with Em, she says, Josh, it's a great talk, but you don't give a great overview of Joseph. So I'm going to go through Joseph real quick, okay? And then we're going to look at some things that we could learn from. Is that good? So we're going to be bouncing around from 37 onwards. So we pick up the story in, in chapter 37, and we see straight away that Joseph was favored by his dad and hated by his brothers. This was not a secret. It says they couldn't say a kind word to him. Then he antagonizes them. He winds them up by telling them a dream. He actually tells them two dreams. And if we go to Genesis 37 verse 6, then we see this. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves, your sheaves stood up all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed, did another dream, and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I've dreamed another dream. And this dream, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? Okay, so this winds his brothers up loads. They actually want to kill him, but they compromise and they throw him in a pit. This ends up with him being a subject of human trafficking, and he ends up in Potiphar's house, where he shows excellent administrative skills. Put your hand in the air if your job or your life involves admin. Give me a wave. Now, admin is supernatural. Can I get an amen? 
Okay, it's actually in 1 Corinthians 12, I think, that admin is supernatural. And I actually believe that admin is supernatural because without supernatural admin, we're never going to have revival. All we'll have is a great outpouring and then it will stop. Because revival is how we passed this outpouring onto the next one. Okay, so we need supernatural admin people. Which is great because I'm actually not great at admin, but I'm married to someone who absolutely loves Excel spreadsheets. M is all over that. Okay, so we have that going on. Um, so yeah, admin is an important part of Joseph's life, and we'll see that as we go through. Now, the other thing is that while he's in this situation, we see that while he's in Potiphar's house, it says that he gains in favor because the Lord is with him. Now, this isn't the prosperity gospel, but if the Lord is with you, then there is favor on your life. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say, the Lord is with you. So you are favored. In Proverbs, check this out, in Proverbs it says, consider him, consider God in all your ways. Now, the reason that's important is because God wants to treat you as a person of integrity, which means he wants to treat you as a whole person. And what that means is that there isn't like different fragments of who you are. There's like the church you, the home you, the family you, and the work you, and the online you. Is that he sees you as a person of integrity, which is all of you. And he wants to encounter you in all your ways, which means that God is at work with you. And if he's at work with you, then you're favored at work. That's some good news, right? Come on. Okay, so let's keep going. So Joseph is good looking. Why don't you just tell the person next to you, you are really good looking. We obviously thought that was funny. Guys, you are good looking. Okay? So, Joseph is really good looking. I don't know if this is why, but that attracts Potiphar's wife to him. And she tries to seduce him. But he refuses. And then she accuses him of rape. And this ends up with Joseph getting thrown into prison. Which is Genesis 39, verse 6 to verse 20. Then from Genesis 39, 21 to 40, 23, we see that his talents or his anointing, and his service in the prison end up with him gaining a position of trust in the prison. Then we have Pharaoh, who's being troubled by nightmares, and his chief cupbearer recalls that Joseph, after two years, had interpreted his dreams, and Joseph then accurately interprets Pharaoh's dreams. That's Genesis 41, 1 to 37. This leads to Pharaoh giving Joseph a high rank and a wife. And the dreams that he interpreted related to a famine which happens. Egypt has bread because of the foresight and planning that Joseph suggests they do. Admin. And from chapter 42 to 45, we have Joseph interacting with his brothers the famine has also impacted Canaan, which is Jacob, his dad, and his brothers are. And so Jacob sends his brothers to go and seek food. Jo- Joseph recognizes them, gives them a series of tests, which end up with them revealing to Joseph who they are and admission of their guilt of what they've done. And Joseph reveals his identity in chapter 45, and the family are reconciled. And Joseph actually explains, verse 5 to 8, that God had brought this about so that there'd be provision for his family. Why don't we pray a second, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this story. God, I thank you that we get to gather in these moments around stories from the Bible. And we just thank you for Joseph's life. And we just pray for this morning that we would just learn a little bit more about you. And in that, learn a little bit more about us. Amen. Amen. 
So Joseph's story is bookended by potential and the palace. And in the middle, he encounters the pit and the prison. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. I'm not normally a super slick preacher who does four Ps. But this morning I am. Because I've got no PowerPoint. Okay, so we're going after the four Ps. So we're going to go after potential first. So um, right at the beginning, Joseph is 17 and he has two dreams that you could say end up with an interpretation of those dreams is him in the palace, of him reigning and people bang down to him. And the truth is, at that moment, it is only potential. It's definitely potential. He's 17. He's not leading anything. He's not got anyone bowing down to him. All he's got is a dad that loves him and his brothers that hate him. So it's definitely only potential. And we know that he's not ready to lead anything. Because in the context of his brothers hating him, he goes up to them and says, I've got some dreams I really want to tell you about you bowing down to me. Now, I mean, that speaks to someone who's super dumb. I mean really an idiot to do that. He's got the knowledge, but he's got no wisdom. And he definitely couldn't. At the end of the story, or in, at the end of, of the palace, he is the second in command over the whole of Egypt. Right? At this point, he's not ready to lead anything. So he's shown up to his brothers and he's told them that. Now, at the best, maybe it's naive, but at the worst, it's arrogant to do that. Now, I'll tell you a little bit. When we were talking about doing a series like this, I I thought we were supposed to tell stories of heroes that related to our story as well, and so I'm going to do that. And for me, when it comes to potential, is I grew up in a family where our potential was called out all the time. Mum and dad would call it out in us and, and tell us that we were, you know, we were great and that they loved us and all of that. But a moment, a very significant moment for me in terms of my potential being ignited was when I was at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And towards the end of the year, uh, me and Em did school of ministry. It was the second year of our marriage. Uh, we married nearly 10 years, so this is how long ago it was. And um, we're in a context like this, a worship moment, and uh, it was Jesus culture, if you know them, and the band's playing, and then the guy who leads it is speaking. And in that moment, I told this story in the summer when I was here, but in that moment, really significant for me is um, while we're worshipping after the guy had spoken, I felt like God said to me, I'm looking for people in the UK who will pursue a whole generation, will you? And for me, I, like that moment is like if you had to rank top three moments with God, like that's up there. You know, I've got the whole thing going on. I've got the goosebumps. I'm like there in the throne room. I'm like, yes, God, I'll say yes. I'll pursue a whole generation. And that really marked me for revival. That's what I've given my life for is that I just want to see revival. And I tell Em, um, you know, this is what's happening to me. She's like, yeah, I feel the same thing. And that's just really marked our lives. Now, the thing is, is as I've gone from that moment to now, and I'm not like in the palace yet, and the palace is obviously, this is prophetic, pit, prison, and palace are all like prophetic things. It's unlikely that any of us will end up in a palace unless you're going to marry someone royal like Meghan Markle, right? So it's unlike, I don't know if any, anyone in here has got royal blood. Um, but it's all prophetic, okay? But since that moment of my potential being ignited and God calling me to pursue revival, I have encountered the pit and the prison, and the interesting thing for me is that what I've learned is what I believe in church and what I believe in a prayer room and what I believe when I'm getting prayed for, like that's really important. But what I believe after church is way more important. And my yes in the anointing was like, yeah, this is awesome. I want to change the world. My yes since then, that yes has been more significant. 
It's the yes when there's no goosebumps. That's the one that's powerful. It's the yes when people have challenged me or whatever. There, that's the yes that's been powerful for me. And um, I've actually learned, I suppose, quite a lot in that. And one of the things that I've noticed kind of a lot as I've been around church is that I see lots of people, their potential being ignited by a moment with God. I mean, if you go on the internet now and download a podcast, like the main message out there is that God's calling you to change the world and nothing's impossible with God and you can do it. And I see loads of people, like early adopters, like, yeah, I changed the world. And I connect with them like six months later and they're discouraged, disillusioned, derailed, and they're kind of given up, which is why we need a community. We need to create like a cradle where our potential isn't discipled out of us, it's encouraged in us. So one of my questions is, if we believe that it was God that was speaking to Joseph in those dreams about who he could be, which lots of people would say, as you look for the Bible, God speaks to us through dreams. My question is, do we still believe that God could be calling people in this environment to be leading at the level that Joseph was? In helicopters right now, could there be the next prime minister? In jets right now, could there be the next person that's going to invade Hollywood with salt and light and change the world with the good news gospel? Because I'd like to believe there is. Partly because my son is currently in helicopters right now, in Woking. And I had an amazing moment with Jackson, my son, he's four. And um, he, it was like, it wasn't this, it wasn't yesterday, it was last Saturday. And I'd come downstairs uh, with Jackson, I'm making coffee for me. Tea for M, my wife, and milk for Jackson. And he's like, Dad, Dad. He's like buzzed up. It's like so early in the morning. He's like, but he's like, Dad, I want to play. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just getting my coffee going. And, uh, and then we, we go out of the kitchen into like the living room. And he's like, I'm like, what do you want to play? He's like, I want to play cars. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like finding the cars. I'm getting them out. And he's like, Dad, I need to get something. And he runs out of the room. I'm like just sipping on the coffee and trying to get the cars out. And he runs back in with this like beat up bit of cereal box that he got out of the recycling, right? And he goes, dad, 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 dad. I'm like, yeah, 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 what? And he goes, can you make a garage and a road out of this? I look at it, I'm like, what are they teaching you at school? Like perspective, I'm like, I need to teach Jackson some perspective. You can't make anything out of this. If I'm going to make a garage, I need at least three cereal boxes and some other stuff for a row. And God started to speak to me. As I was about to say, Jackson, no, I can't, is God started to speak to me about that moment. And he's like, Jackson doesn't need to learn perspective. You do. And I'm like, whoa. Like, I'm having this moment with Jackson and with God. And God's like, it makes total sense for Jackson to say that to you because he's still at an age where he is around a dad that he believes nothing is impossible for. And what do you believe when you're around me? And it hit me, and I'm like, whoa. And I suppose for us in, in Emmaus, in Woking, Guildford, evening services, are we creating a culture where we believe that our potential could be ignited and we're going to call it out in each other or we're going to disciple it out of each other? You know, the moment with Jackson is it totally makes sense to me of what it looks like to co-labor. Is, I hear quite a lot, it's all about God and it's not about you. And I'm like, I, it can definitely feel like that sometimes. But Jackson didn't show up with nothing and say, can you turn this into a garage? He showed up with something, which is this beat up bit of recycling. And he says to me, and he offers something to me. And he says, can you make something out of this? And maybe that's how it feels for us with our potential. 
Is there something that we've got? It's like we've got to offer something. It's both of us. It's not just all about God and not about you. It's about both of you showing up to change the world. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm preaching myself into a revival. Okay. So, potential. Now, what we know is Jackson is Joseph through his naivety, or whatever we want to call it, ends up in the pit that his brothers hate him and they throw him in the pit. Now, we know the rest of the story. The pit only makes sense in the context of the palace. Joseph says to his brothers when he meets them in the palace, God brought me here for this moment so that he could forgive them. And on our journey, as our potential is ignited and whatever that looks like on a journey towards the palace, which we could just call that destiny, is we will encounter moments that feel like the pit. And there's two things that are going on here. The pit represents a moment for Joseph where he was betrayed, humiliated, and disgraced. But the question is, could he forgive his brothers? To be honest, I don't think the question was, could he lead Egypt? Could he lead a nation? The question was, could he forgive his brothers? And for all of us on our journey, we will have moments where we have to forgive. And what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is removing our right to punish someone. And what is that? It's the removal of love. Like what is, I, don't, I can't really punish anyone. I don't put anyone in prison or anything like that. It's, but when someone hurts me, the way that I punish them is I remove my love from them. And the interesting thing is if you do a Google search of Jesus and forgiveness, you see that there's not actually many options when it comes to are we going to forgive people or not. There's a choice, are we going to do it or not, but there's not really many options. Like, Jesus, but this person really, really hurt me. Like, can I, do I have to forgive them? Now, I think that forgiveness is supernatural. Because it's hard to do. And we need a grace. We need a supernatural ability to know how we're going to do that. I love, and I call it, you know, I love going out on the streets and praying for people and praying for the sick and prophesying over them. And, but to be honest, once you get over the hurdle of is that scary to do, watching someone get healed, that's like the bling bling of the Christian world. Like those moments of seeing someone, and I love seeing those, but I... More than that, love stories of hearing people that see freedom when they decide to forgive someone that's really hurt them. And I believe it's supernatural. And the thing about this, this whole kind of idea of forgiveness is, in all of my life, the thing that releases the most freedom is when people decide to forgive. It's, a, it's the area that releases the most freedom. Now, we're talking about two, or we're talking about one hero of the Bible, which is Joseph, but a hero of mine is my dad. And my dad would say to us growing up, this was like his motto, he's like, everything you go through can make you bitter or better, it's up to you. And then he would say, it's all in the eye, because if you take eye away, you get a bitter, better, yeah? It's like a play on words. No? Okay, right. But he said that to us. It's, it's all in the way you look at it. And for me, I see this moment with Joseph. It's like, are we going to forgive? And there's two main parties in your life you're going to have to learn how to forgive. It's people that hurt you, but it's also yourself. Are you going to forgive yourself for your past? Sometimes I chat to people around church, and they seem to have a longer memory over their life than God does. 
Like God has forgiven you, are you going to forgive you? Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote loads of the New Testament, is essentially the equivalent of the leader of ISIS getting saved now and writing a poem about love that hasn't been topped since that moment. And then he writes some of the most outrageous stuff about what it looks like to be a Christian, but he was ruthless with himself about how he lived in freedom. It says that he would take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. What's the truth of Christ? That you've been co-crucified with him. Now, Paul did that. And sometimes for me, I'm like, how do, I, how do I live in this freedom? Is I have to make thoughts, and when my past tries to creep up on me, I have to make those thoughts obedient to the reality that the guy that did that was co-crucified with Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. Right. So that is the pit. I'm going to move quickly. I've just seen the time. Prison. Now, this moment for Joseph is where he could have been discouraged, disillusioned, and derailed. He gets tempted by Potiphar's wife to step off his track towards destiny. For all of us, on your pathway to destiny, you're going to be tempted to walk off it. Now, it might not be the same as this situation for Joseph, but we will all be tempted to look somewhere else and do something else. Which is why it's important that we develop core values and core beliefs about who we are and what we're going to do. The way I understand my core values is they're like the lining, like these steps and these steps. And these chairs are like my pathway. I'm going that way. And that's where my destiny is. And the, my, my pathway is like lined by my core values and my core beliefs. And as I start to like walk off them, my core value just like knocks me back onto the road. Which is why it's so important that we develop our core values. Now, the interesting thing is that Joseph makes a great choice. He says no. He doesn't commit adultery. But he ends up in prison because she accuses him of rape. The interesting thing, and maybe we've all found this, is we can make great choices, and then we can end up in a situation that feels like prison. We're like, and prophetically, obviously, maybe some of us have been in prison, but maybe not all of us have. Probably not all of us have. We can have moments where something happens, we make a great choice, and then it's like, God, why am I here, though? Why am I in this situation? But the interesting thing for Joseph is that his story, the pit was about forgiveness. The prison is about service. That he serves in Potiphar's house and he gains favor. He then gets put in prison and he serves. Says that he was given charge over the prison. And then he interprets that dream, and then two years later, I mean, he could have got seriously bitter. The cupbearer says, Pharaoh needs his dream interpreted. He needs serving. Can you serve? And Joseph serves again and interprets the dream. And then what's really interesting is he comes out of prison, and he gets given charge over a nation. He serves a nation. It's interesting to me that our journey into destiny for all of us as people who are following Jesus on this adventure, is it's going to look like forgiveness and service. Your destiny isn't going to look super random to who you are. It might just look like bigger influence of the current situation that you're in. You know, for me, when it comes to service, our land here and then we can respond, is at Bethel, I... Said yes to said yes to God. I'm like, yes, I'll pursue revival. Yeah, I give my life to it. 
And that vision has kind of changed and become clearer and in some ways have become more unclear in other ways. But um, after we came back from Bethel, we were youth pastoring. Mike Andrea was here a couple of weeks ago. He was my youth pastor. Uh, in case you're wondering why I am the way I am. <laughs> a lot of it's his fault. Um, but yeah, so after Bethel, we went back and we were youth pastoring there. And then the week that we found out that M was pregnant, we also found out that M's dad was going to die, that he was really ill. And so we just had to like suddenly move back. I mean, just put a pin in that, M's dad's still alive, which is amazing. That's like five years ago. Just amazing. But anyway, we can't go there. So I moved back with no job, and I find myself back in Southampton. I got no job, and... Um, Em's pregnant, and I'm like, God, you know, like, surely you know, I'm like, we're having a baby, like, I need a job, and I'm like, applying everywhere, and I'm super employable, as Emmaus will know, seeing <laughs> um, as they did it. Um, so, we're in this, I'm in this situation, I'm like, can't get a job anywhere, like, nowhere would hire me, and then I end up moonlighting at Frankie and Benny's waiting tables. And I'm called to revival, like, why am I here? was going on in my heart, which is why it's so good that I was there. And then I'm moonlighting as a teaching assistant in a pupil referral unit with the naughtiest kids in Southampton. It's so interesting that God had placed me in these moments. And the waiting table thing, it was like, if I felt like I was too big to wait tables and I was too small to steward revival, is what he was teaching me. And then with the school as I'd given my yes to God in the midst of a supernatural school of ministry, and then I'd given my yes to pastor young people at a church in Kent, I then found myself serving the naughtiest kids in Southampton, who I was like fully taught how to restrain them and all of that. I mean, that's the situation. I mean, I'd gone from like pastoring lovely Christian kids to now I'm with like the naughtiest kids there was. And he was teaching me, if I'm going to pursue a whole generation, that's what it looks like. It's these people. And it was a really, really significant moment. And to be honest, that's what the prison feels like to me with Joseph. Like prophetically, those two moments, I needed that. I needed those moments where I was learning about my character and how to, how to steward that and how to keep serving. Amen? Amen, amen. Now, I, Ben, could you come up? I don't really know how you do this here, but this is how we do it in Woking. So, Ben, can you come up? And we, we haven't got loads of time, but it would be great to do a song. Um, I suppose there's three things that we could respond to. Uh, why don't we all stand? Can we all stand? And I will, honestly, I'll give the mic back to Pete. <laughs> um, three things that it would be great to respond to if you want. And that is, one, Ben, you can start playing and do your thing, build the moment. <laughs> Let's get the anointing flying. Oh, you need that. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Go for it. It's all live. Nothing's pre-recorded, <laughs> um, apart from the pads. Uh, so, three things. If you haven't felt like your potential has been ignited by a moment with God, then there are, are people here that would love to pray for you. They'd love to prophesy of you and just call out the gold and the goodness in who you are. We'll be down the front. I've got the mighty men from Woking here. <laughs> Our revival guys. So they'll be around. We can, we can pray. We just, but there's a team here as well. The other one is, if you're in a situation where 
there's some, someone that's really hurt you and like forgiving them just feels really hard and you just need like God's grace to just operate in your life and you're just like, man, the situation's hard then. I'd love to pray for you about that. The third one, if you feel like you've been called by God to do something but your current situation you just don't understand. Like, why are you here? If God's called you to do this, then why am I doing this? And if you need grace to exist in that moment, then we'd love to pray for you as well. So, I'll hand over to the band. If you want to do a song, there'll be teams here. If you want to come forward or if you want to pray with someone, then, um, then we can do that. Amen.